This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to another Blue Monday TWTD collaboration show, a mini special to review the questionnaire results, the 2021 questionnaire results. And joining me is Phil Hambert. Phil, I I thought whilst we've got you here, given you're the man with his finger on the pulse uh, at TWTD Towers, we've got to get you some some views on the, the latest news. Firstly, how's things? All good? Yeah, all good with me. Thank you very much. Yes, excellent. Yeah, I'm yeah. perfect. I'm warm and hot and waiting for thunderstorms later on, which will be yeah. exciting. <laughs> um, so I guess the, the 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 kind of biggest bit of news of the week is Andre Dizel's departure, and kind of pivoting off that is it's gone a little bit quiet on the transfer front. TWTD obviously went um, with the Raheem Harper story pretty early doors and. You know, there's a, there's like the the TWTD trademark of <laughs> transfer stages. Oh, can you give any reassurance to anyone on what you're hearing on that in terms of imminency, and obviously any thoughts on um, Andre Dizel's departure? On Andre, yeah, I think I think it's it's a kind of transfer that I think a lot of us are quite sad about in a way because Andre being you know having the surname he had and the heritage with the club and having come through. Um, the, the academy. We all wanted him to do well, um, but I think his career has sort of stalled a bit at town. Uh, not entirely due to his fault. I thought there was a long period. Obviously, he had that remarkable debut where he um, somehow managed to kind of replicate his father scoring in his debut at 16. Although Jason will point out that he was considerably younger when he scored. His, I think <laughs> I can't remember the exact number, but I think um, Andre was fairly near 17, whereas. Um, Jason was, I think, 16 years and 58 days or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, um, but I think there was this, perhaps he had an issue with managers not really trusting him. And he had the odd game here and there. And I think under under um, Mick, I can remember him suddenly being called out from nowhere to start a game at Wigan. And, um, and then 
he had this uh, just out of the blue, not having even been on the bench for the previous few weeks. And then he probably played that game and maybe another one and then was out the team. And then suddenly he'd reappear again and the performance would be poor. The team's performance would be poor. And so him as the younger player would be the one who was sacrificed at half time. So he never, for, for a number of years, I mean, bearing in mind, he made his debut at 16 and he's now 22. And this is the first season where he's really played a very large number of games together. Um, it, you know, he's had a decent run in the team. Um, and obviously he did have that year out with the, with the injury, which was very unfortunate. I mean, that's, that's a big sort of what if, isn't it? If, if he hadn't got injured against Birmingham on the opening day of the season when he was playing very well in that game, which I think was 2017. Yeah, wow, yeah, Birmingham, of course, yeah. Um, if he hadn't, would he have then played a bigger part that season, a bigger part under um, Mick the next year or so and, um, and established himself earlier? And then I think under Paul Hurst, he came in back, up, back from that injury under Paul Hurst. And I think there was a bit of politics in that sort of period at the beginning of that season where Paul Hurst was trying to persuade Marcus Evans to, to let him have the money to buy John Nolan. And so there was a lot of this, oh, I think I don't think Andre's fit enough. You know, I don't think he's ready. We might think about letting him on loan. You know, there was a lot of this. Um, and so I don't think that was very fair on him. And of course, that was then a season which went, things went awry and we got relegated. And it's quite difficult to bring young players into that circumstance. And then mm. the, the last two seasons haven't been, uh, been, been great by any stretch of the imagination. So he's really found himself in a position where he's trying to, um, what's the word, sort of um, make his, his, his sort of still to some degree fledgling steps, I suppose. And so, yes, yeah, so, and of course, he's got this additional pressure that other players haven't got of his surname being Dizelle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, and I, I, whether that's kind of weighed heavy on him a bit, I think perhaps there's been greater expectation on him than there, there might have been uh, on other players. I think we're all a bit sad that it's never really happened for him here. And yeah. that we'd have liked uh, and to have been the one scoring, um, you know, a couple of goals in derby matches against Norwich like his dad did and celebrating yeah. wearing a woolly hat and all that. Um, but um, perhaps it's, it, was a, it was a little bit too much to ask of him. Various people have said this to me, ex-players have said this to me, that they think he'll be a better player the higher he goes. And so, you know, that's the test next year and then perhaps the test in the future, um, whether he will prove to be a, a player that can, can cut it in the Premier League. League One, League one yeah. perhaps just doesn't really suit him. And the £1 million fee is, is not exactly a, a, a kind of an anchor around his neck either in 2021, sadly. I mean, no, but it's it's, it's, again, I think it's a decent fee in this circumstance, really. And I think really that, um, that they, QPR offered the million because they knew that Blackburn and Brent and uh, were interested in probably other people as well. Um, so I think they tried to steal a march on them by by offering the the, the fee that that, that, that triggered the the, the the buyout. So um, so yes, but I, so I think QPR is a ne- is a good next step for him anyway. Ultimately, and I think everyone, I think all town fans wish him well. Um, Agreed. He, he's very much one of our own, isn't he? Exactly right. Yep. Um, and, and then on the, on the yes. possible purchases, as Breaking I said, it's got... Harper, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the and anything the... else, by the way, because I'm one of these people, and you, you, you and I have exchanged emails on this like maybe 10 years ago or something. I, I really don't like speculating on transfers. Maybe it's like a, a superstition thing, because as, as, <laughs> as soon as I see a, a, a transfer link, it's like, oh, that's not going to happen. And then it's like, oh, it's 
oh, it might happen now. And it's mm. a bit further along. It's like, no, well, someone else will come in and outbid us. I and am a little wary on occasions. Uh, 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 the, I kind of know that a transfer is a bit further down the line than I kind of report it as. Do you okay, know what I mean? So because temper there's expectations. a bit of worry that it might get... Well, because you, you, a bit of egg on your face. Yeah, I mean, to some degree, I said that I, there was a bit of egg on my face with Sonny um, Bradley, because I said... You weren't the only one, though. Think barring developments or, or kind of barring someone gazumping us. And actually, I think really in the end, Luton gazumped us in the fact that they play championship football. Um, yes. it, I think I think pretty much we'd offered him a contract. He'd said, oh, that's all right. And uh, and he was kind of up for coming. But I think he had a had a, a, a change of heart. But um, Rakeem uh, Harper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. He's, yes. The touching words. No, I think, yeah, I mean, it is done. From what I'm told, the deal is done. It's just not announced. And um, whether this is, well, I was anticipating that there would be, um, or someone told me, and a couple of people told me, that the expectation last week was that West Brom would announce their new manager, um, which was um, Wagner, wasn't it? The the former um, uh, Huddersfield manager. And, um, of course, that all went, awry and I think he went to um young boys of Bern, I think, didn't he in, in yeah. the end? And um so that announcement didn't get made and then Tan's announcement the, the, and they obviously then the the kind of sign off as it were to to make the announcement of because I think what they were trying to do, I think they were probably trying to in the in the in the in the traditional way bury a bit of what might be perceived as bad news in the in so the way to Gazelle story for us, isn't it? I guess perhaps a similar type of transfer. I'd suggest. Maybe. Yeah, I can see what you mean because I think he's he's someone that there's there's been expectation for at uh, at West Brom, and he's been seen as a as a little bit of a star of the future and links with Premier League clubs and Syria clubs, weren't there, two or three years ago? So um, yeah, so I think that's perhaps what they wanted to do. But anyway, I think they're in a bit of seems fairly chaotic there, doesn't it? You know, the, the way that the management situation has gone. They're, they're they went famous. for Wilder, and then the owner said, no, we don't want Wilder. And then he did a statement, I think, didn't they? Yeah, all very strange. That's not the kind of club you want to be doing transfers with, is no, it? No, no. Well, that happened, and then obviously the Wagner thing broke down, and then there's been talk about um, Michael Appleton as well, and there's been talk about um, uh, Alex Neal, hasn't there? And, of course, the um, director of football or, or sporting director or is he, he moved on this week didn't he um, Dowling so um, so yeah it's it's I think it's we're, we're sort of doing business with a club that's not very happy with itself at the moment and and I think yeah, it, it will get announced and he will be a town player but it's I, I, it kind of feels like the buses situation with um, West Burns and um I've forgotten his name already, Lee Evans. Um, Lee Evans, yeah. You suddenly think maybe they'll they'll do a kind of what we did last summer, where you had Stephen Ward and um, Di Cornell and uh, another kind of announced all at the same time. Ollie Hawkins, yeah, Ollie yeah. Hawkins, three in it, yeah. you know, three three in a line with Eric's shirts outside Flayford Road, maybe. But. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yes, so I don't know where we are on others at the moment. I mean, they've, they've got. I mean, they've got lengthy lists. They're going through. They're talking to lots of players. They're. I think Paul Cook is fairly ruthless in the way that he does business. It's kind of, he doesn't let players keep him hanging on. I think he um, says, well, you know, if you're interested, give me a call by whenever, you know, and, and I want it sort of, I want it all kind of done by this date or I want you to kind of, you know, committed to us and all this kind of thing. Um, I just wanted to quote this at you from The Athletic, um, who did a q and I think it was the North America branch yeah. of The Athletic with Brett Johnson, just to kind of continue the 
Paul Cook and the squad building. Um, he was, um, I'm not sure whether, yeah, I think maybe he was more honest and open than he might have wanted to be when asked about um, the transfer window and, and the type of business we're doing. Um, we're making wholesale changes is the first thing he said. Um, long calls of Paul Cook, lots of faith in him. Um, but um, Paul showed up and there were something like 43 players on the extender roster. I think we're keeping about 10% of them. The question is, how quickly can you bring in so much talent and get it to click? Which I guess we're all debating that. But the the keeping 10% of the 43 player extended roster is quite a stark number when you hear it. Mm. And I guess chimes with all the stuff that Paul Cook has been saying as well. But um, it has now caused people to speculate who is the lucky 10%. And I guess a nod to a fantastic two-part in- interview with... Um, Alan Lee that's gone out um, first episode on Wednesday, um, just been, and Friday for the second part, where Alan Lee op- kind of gives an insight, having played with Paul Cook at Burnley, that he's utterly convinced it's it's mind games to kind of, you know, to it's it's, it's my way or, or the highway, and he hopes that players will, will you know, take that message in and act positively to it, and if they won't, they'll be out. But, yeah, I mean, it's... I guess Brett Johnson just confirmed, perhaps in numbers, what we think might happen already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had similar a conversation with someone the other day who, who had had heard via a member of the squad that four players are, are, are sort of on the list of ones that hadn't been told that they've. Um, okay, the lucky four. And, and, and I mean, yeah. I mean, Norwood was one. Um, Kane Vincent Young was another. Edwards was another because, of course, he was offered a contract but has now gone. And and Aaron Drynan was the other, who I think really is going to be there to be a squad member. You know, he's, he's, I don't think he's expect. And uh, yeah, Paul Cook, has, has, um, we assume, has seen something in him because I don't think he tore up any trees, really. He did all right, didn't he, I think, in his first... First few matches of the season, yeah. he looked quite good, didn't he, and then got injured. Um, yeah, I mean, and that's another thing. He did have, it's, again, it's another player who's trying to make his way in a failing team. But when you go back to when he first signed and you look at the quotes from Mick McCarthy, he thought he was ready to go in the team at that point. And that the, uh, and I've heard that the the players were quite impressed with him when he first came in. They nicknamed him Murph, didn't they? Because they thought right. he was the sort of player to Daryl Murphy. So, um, so yeah, so, but I agree. I totally agree with the, with the point that Alan made. And I've heard this from other people at the club, that it's it's in part motivation. It's to try and get people to say, well, I'll show him, you know. And I think this worked to some degree. And I, I mentioned this in the questionnaire, didn't I? Um, Armando Dobra, um, who did this interview in Albania uh, when he was with the 21s. And he was, sort of, yeah, he was asked something along the lines of, um, yeah, what's your plans for next season sort of thing. And he said, I, I want to get in Ipswich Town first team. You know, that's that's what he said. He was in, in Albania, so I, I, I've only seen the translation. <laughs> but, um, so, so, so he is very certain that he wants to change the manager's mind uh, as, as it stands. And, and I suspect there'll be others that, that feel similarly, that they want, to, they want to come back for the pre-season, which is only like a week and a bit away now. And, <laughs> I know, and... and um, and um, show what they can do and get themselves in the team. And, um, yeah, so I think there's a bit of kidology. I think there's also an element of him not really seeing people, many of the players, as indispensable. Because I think he needs, he, he wants to bring his own players in. Um, and so in order to do that, he's got to shift quite a number on. And there are only this handful, this four, or, or four-ish, 
Um, uh, there was the best joke on the website last night that the point that the 1.3 must be Thomas Holly because of the, the height. Um, that, um, that, yeah, in order to, to, to bring his players in, he's got to get rid of a certain number or a number, and no one or not, not many are indispensable. Um, so he'll, 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 he'll want, a, he'll want some of them out, but a few of them, it won't matter too much because he thinks they're all right. Do you know what I mean? Not, not great, but not, he wouldn't mind if they left. Um, but, and as Brett Johnson says, it's quite hard to get rid of that number of players or, or I, I, in one go, I think. Um, how, I can't remember the exact quote that he said, what, what you just said, but he said, but it, it was how, how quickly that can be done. Or, or I think that's, I think that's quite, t- I think it's, when you've got a squad that's as large as it was, um, I think it's quite hard to kind of offload as many as um, as they need to. So I think what we'll end up with is um, a significant number of players that have come in and a number of those that are still here. Um, and presumably there'll be um, some of those who perhaps Cook doesn't particularly want and probably play more in the 23s than in the, the first team. Um, and then those that have come back with the right attitude and shown him that they, um, that, they that they are, they've got a bit about them, that when they get criticised by a manager, they go away, get themselves fit, come back and with the determination to, to show what they can do. Which is, which is all, all that we're kind of hoping for, I think. Um, yeah. And, and, then, and then there'll be the ones where the, the business hasn't got done and needs must kind of situation. And I'm thinking the likes of Toto and Siala might um, be, be an aspect. I was expecting Janoi Danassin to have left by now. You know, players with flexibility who who are kind of six out of ten players. I wouldn't be surprised if a few of them are still are still here and, and chucked in as injuries crop up and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean the other thing, of course, is that they may still be here towards the end of the transfer window, um, and and so sort of deals will be done where they go on loan at the end of the transfer um, window. That kind yeah, of yeah, make weights in maybe deals for other players and the trading. Yeah, we haven't seen I too much of that yet. I think there's definitely an element of that, that, that the likes of Toto and, and, and Janoway Benassian are here to trade. Uh, yeah. so they trade other players. And um, and, because, and to a great degree, because the club doesn't want to lose, uh, let players that they paid money for go on free. Uh, I think that's, that's, a, yeah. that's, a, that's a thing. I think that Jackson's another one. I mean, it's interesting. We've heard very little about clubs being interested in Caden Jackson so far. Um, but I don't really see where he fits in. Because um, I don't think he played a central striking role under Paul Cook, um, and I think he tried him on the, on the right side, and it was, I think, elements of it he was good at, and other elements he wasn't. The, the mm. defensive side of it he wasn't so good at, and but that's not really a surprise, is it? It's not the game that he's he's played over his career, so um, I think he'll probably go. Um, yeah, I think it's you know you're looking. I mean, I know we sort of talk about pre-season training starting next week, but. We're still a little way to go before the season actually starts, yeah, and end, yeah. not much tends to happen in June. Uh, in most summers, uh, every manager always says, oh, "I want to get my signings in early and all this," and they're all still making signings on deadline day, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly right. Do it on the night before, yeah. uh, and it might be that there are, there's always kind of a game of chess going on. There's there's a deal that possibly then is a domino effect, and others happen as well. So, there's a lot of that. and the other thing with players particularly those who are out of contract, they'll wait around and, and see what offers they get. And they'll yeah, assess yeah. their offers. Which might have been a good strategy in the past, but it feels like this summer, given the amount of competition in players, other players that are going to be on freeze, you know, 
a good example, I was going to briefly mention this uh, down at um, Cole Switch United, which is just being <laughs> filled up with Ipswich Town um, free signings. Um, you, you look at um, Luke Chambers and Cole Scoose and Freddie Sears who have opted, you know, Chambers we know has had interest from Gillingham and, and I think elsewhere and possibly Scoose did as well. Sears mentioned he'd got interest. And then you've got the likes of Alan Judge and Emma Hughes, who I'd, I'd imagine have aspirations of more than Colchester. But my find, you know, Andy Warren and the EADT has been pretty consistent that these guys might end up there and, and because they want to stay in the area. I think there's a point, and it's going to be earlier this season, where free agents will just kind of, you don't know. Do you use an Alan Lee analogy about the Crystal Palace transfer? I want to be on a chair when the music stops. Yeah, and I, and I do think that might happen a bit earlier this year. But I think that's possibly be. right. I think I think. I mean, um, Teddy Bishop's another one. I think that Cambridge are interested in him now. I think that he'll probably see himself as a better player than Cambridge United. But League One, though, aren't they now? You know, and they are League One now. Yeah, um, and Cambridge, I think, may struggle wages-wise with him, but um, they're interested. Um, but he may ultimately. Sort of, yeah, you know, jump at some point and say, yeah, that's that's the, that's. I'm probably not going to get better than that. Most players will always try and think that they're always try and look for better, won't they? Than, than, well, it's, than a, it's human stuff. nature, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, and so they'll they'll wait around to what what offers come in and take their time. But I suppose once pre-season training starts, I think players do start to think, you know, the first week and they're not involved. Yeah, yeah the hard stuff. They start thinking, oh, I better, I better jump and 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 sign somewhere. And uh, so yeah, so uh, yeah, and you might be right, but the fact that there are so many players at work that they're all kind of a lot of them will will leap quickly. And um, but yes, uh, yeah, and, and and the culture thing with with Chambers and and Skews and Sears, I think uh, I think um, Colchester wanted Sears in January, didn't they? And the other two, I know Cole Skews is very good friends with Wayne Brown. Um, and and yes, so it suits suits them all. Sears still lives in Colchester area, doesn't he? And so it suits it suits all of them very much to go there. And it would be interesting next season because Colchester's team, I think, will have Dean Gherkin in goal, won't it? A back three of Tommy Smith, Luke Chambers, and Tommy Eastman. Yeah, they want, they want to get, bring Frank Newble back as well. Newble, yeah, yeah, and Sears. Newble. Together, um, and um, and 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 Cole in the centre midfield. So, um. I know that they, they did try and move away from this thing of being a kind of, always being accused of being the Ipswich Town retirement home, but um, it does seem they've rather gone back in that direction again at the moment. But perhaps that's, perhaps that's to some degree, needs must, in that obviously they, they kind of went down this road of... Oh, it was a horrible season for them last year yeah. as well, and and you and that lack of experience, I think, was telling. Yeah. I, I, I follow, my brother-in-law is a Cole U fan, and he was pretty happy about the Freddie Sears news. I don't think he knows too much about Cole Scoose and Luke Chambers, but on the face of it, good experience. Yeah. But I think a lot of Cole Hughes fans generally are kind of saying, we want, we needed experience, but maybe not Ipswich Town experience. But I, I, yeah. I can't imagine any of those guys will let them, let them down. And no, no, yeah, you, you want a comfortable season after a, almost going out of the football league entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and their long-term future is being built on young players, but I think probably their young players weren't quite, Ready. Yeah, they weren't uh, ready, were they? Someone said this to me at the beginning of last season. Um, that who, who knows more about kind of um, academy football uh, didn't think that they were that the, the, the expectations that they were putting on their young players were probably too high. 
um, and and so it proved. So yeah, uh, I think well, again, as we've said with with Andre, I think fans will wish the likes of Luke Chambers and Cole Skews and Freddie C as well in their in their, their time at. Uh, at the job serve community stadium. The job serve. And if you ever go, if, if we've got an international weekend or something, or I don't know whether we, I think with Norwich, we certainly alternate home fixtures, don't we? I don't know whether the same is true of Colchester, but maybe get maybe we should get half price season tickets at Colchester given all the business we push their way. And yeah. can, you know, they wear blue shirts. So, um, you know, why not? Squint a little bit and yeah. Mm, get yourself yeah, a I job think, with you fans. Yeah, I think that's. It's interesting. Funnily enough, I was having talking to someone yesterday about seeing Paul Cook playing for Burnley at, um, at Colchester one international weekend many years ago, when uh, uh, and there was um, bumping into quite a lot of town fans on the on the terraces at Layer Road that day because we all kind of fancied a game of football. And Burnley, I think, had Ian Wright playing for them at the time, and uh, so everyone went oh, down there. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And the, oh, one of these weird kind of it's, this is like. Um, England and the home nations, or, or until Simon Jordan stuck his oar in on Talksport, where I, I really have no issue at all with Wales doing well. They're playing at the moment, by the way, and I haven't, I've, I've not spoiled the the match. I don't want to. I'll see what it, what it, what it is when we go back. And Scotland, similarly as well. Until they play England, I want all the home nations to. But they hate England with an absolute passion, which is historic. I get, but it's Colchester's a similar situation. I've no ill feeling towards Colchester. I'm sure most Colgie fans are pretty chilled out. Yeah. As soon well, as you start speaking about it, yeah. aren't we? I think that's the thing. I think England and yeah, it's that kind of um, where the big the boys in that. Aren't yeah, we? looking down, patronising them. Exactly. So I think it's kind of um, yeah. It's yeah. I suppose we do. Oh yeah, we all. I don't I think we do kind of quite like our ex-players to do well when they're at Colchester and. Uh, uh, I, I went to one of their pre-season photo shoots once to, to do interviews with town players because they had so many. I think at the time, I think it was well and Mick Stockwell and Gavin Johnson and all that sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 Maybe um, Gavin Williams, uh, uh, Garrett Williams was the manager, I think. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's. Um, I was. I was, I was... Yeah, we've. I think we've done well with the news there. I think let's um let's focus on the questionnaire. Let's drag yeah. ourselves back into the past, Phil, um, and good. and recall what an absolutely yeah. horrible horror show the twenty twenty one season is. I love the TWTD questionnaire, and um, and you guys you get a good a, what was it one thousand seven hundred responses? Yeah, one thousand seven hundred something this year. We've we've had more than three thousand in previous in some previous years, but I think. When the season's a bit more, when there's a bit, when there's, yeah, people are a bit happier about it, I think probably. Yeah, I think next season's right, yeah, it might yeah. be easier. Um, the trouble, trouble is you've got very specific questions about the opposition and matches of the season, and my brain had done really well to compartmentalise that and put it into the kind of long-term storage bin yeah. in case I need to go back and access it at some point in the future. So it's really always difficult for me to remember when it's been a crap season, anything positive. So I've got the, um, I've got the, the, the goal of the season one, cause I'm interested yeah, yeah, yeah. on that one, but I, I, and, and, you know, it's, it's a good prompt to think back at bits of the season, but unfortunately there are no real highlights to consider. So it is, this season I can understand why maybe turn out a little bit lower. Um, I, I, do you provide a submission, by the way? I know you provide, obviously, some commentary on it. Um, well, yes, that? I think I did, actually. I, I tested it. So, um, oh, cool. Yeah. There you go. You're the first in. I think it stays on the system. So, yeah. yeah. Let's, um, let's start with a nice, easy one to, um, to get ourselves I can't off. I remember what I said. 
<laughs> oh, well, I'm going to ask you now. Um, let's see if I can. Oh, the, all the my special tabs are um, out of order, so I'm going to have to. Uh, what I wanted to. Um, the first one I wanted to do was play all-time player, but I think I might have. There we go. Got it, and I can share that now. Sorry. Padding for time. Favourite Evertown player? Yeah. I've kind of skipped through a couple of the early questions, um, I, but just very quickly, um, and this is something that we reflect on on our podcast as well, um, the age of Ipswich Town supporters on the basis of the questionnaire getting a little bit older, maybe confirm mm. some suspicions about the younger generation, which the Game Changer guys, the three lines have talked about, trying to ignite some passion back there. Also, overwhelmingly male, which I guess isn't, isn't a surprise, but always interested to hear ways we can improve that and, and i think that's something both twtdn blue monday would would agree on there i also think the the favorite town player ever situation is is one that gives us an understanding of the demographic as well so johnny walk um is there along with i mean other is the winner isn't it but johnny walk is is the specific player that has the biggest one does that surprise you or is, is that starting to be eroded away by matt holland and marcus stewart and, and pablo um, well, Walkie has been top for years now, with the exception of the year that Kevin Beattie died, in which uh, Beattie um, went back to number one, um, which I think is understandable in that uh, in, in that circumstance. Um, and I, I like the I included the quote from Kieran um, when he was talking about Walkie, and when I was doing the the best elevens with him during the, the lockdown, and he said that. Uh, Beatty was the best player we've ever had, but Walkie's the greatest player we've ever had. Okay. And I think there is a di- there is a difference, and uh, uh, that Kevin Beatty sort of was an, was to some degree an unfulfilled talent. I know, I mean, it's difficult for me to say really because I, I was too young to remember him at his greatest. But um, we know that the expectation, the way that, that he was going to have a hundred caps for England, you know, and go on to, and the way that Bobby Robson talked about it, talked about him as um, the greatest player that he had, uh, that he managed um, along with uh, the Brazilian Ronaldo. Um, and so, and it, although he obviously won the FA Cup, it was Walkie that won the FA Cup and was a key man in the UEFA Cup and um, you know, and then came back again for two more spells and was still playing in in the um, 91-92 season and back in the Premier League and so you know, so, so perhaps sort of achievement um, as well as ability because you, you can't not walk his ability can you by any stretch yeah. of the imagination but I think he allies the two perhaps um, whereas perhaps Beat was was a better player maybe that that Walkie achieved more and so. I think that's that's a fair assessment that that John Walker's the greatest player and and Kevin Beattie's the the best player. Um, Matt Holland, sort of talismanic figure from that side, wasn't he? That the the, the 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 sort of um, the promotion and um, UEFA Cup team. Um, Marcus Stewart, the main man in that team. As you say, there's a demographic aspect that quite a lot of people. I mean, I was probably 13 when Paul Mariner left. Um, do you know what I mean? And um, I just wonder whether Walkie's longevity has worked in his favour in, in yeah, this poll because I, 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 you know, my first formative experiences watching Ipswich, Walk was in the team and you know the, the Premier League year. I remember the hatch, uh, the the free kick against Leicester in ninety five, ninety six on the telly, and yeah, you know, yeah. so maybe that's a factor here as well. But yeah, I certainly yeah. agree with that 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 he has that people in there. 
late thirties, maybe. I'm probably remembering. Uh, yeah, probably that's fair enough, isn't it? Whereas yeah. you'd have to be fair a bit older to. Well, I mean, I don't really. I remember watching Beat, and but I was ten or eleven, you know, and and his and his career was coming to an end at that point. Um, and I, I mean, our readership is pretty much across the. It's fairly broad, isn't it? I think it's surprising that it, it, it's. Although I think perhaps it's lower in the the twenties, but I think that in, in the sort of um, people in their sort of twenties and teens. But I think that's possibly something to do with the the way the club is at the moment. That yeah, um, the support has drifted away in that age group. I know that's something that they they sought to address a couple of years ago when they introduced under 19s tickets and under I can't remember under twelve tickets and whatever, didn't they? That, 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 because they were they were looking at the, doing their own surveys and looking at the the lack of people in that. Fans coming through in that age group. Um, so yeah, and, and the other thing, you, of course, note about the top ten that we've got here is that the one that played most recently, I would guess, is Pablo Cunhago. Yeah. And when did he leave? I reckon what 2010, something like that. I was going to say, yeah. So that's wow. 11 years ago. Yeah. And no one has got in that. So um, yeah, I think that says a lot about where the club has been in the last. Little while, didn't it? Really, um, agreed. Yeah. Had new figures bursting into that uh, <laughs> in that top ten. Well, let me let me let's put up the um the, the players that tried to, <laughs> in last season, and this one made me laugh out of most of all of them. Um, uh, who uh, player of the season two thousand twenty twenty one, um, and the winner of that is none of the above. Oh, no. That's that's a pretty telling stat, isn't it? I mean, James Wilson um, again in terms of specific names that came out. Um, James Wilson and and I was surprised to see Chambers in there, but maybe again similar to him getting Player of the Year a couple of years ago. Maybe people under um, wanted to demonstrate their appreciation of what he'd done for the club. Um, Nord in there, but yeah, none of the yeah, above. I think that's right, I think that's right. With, with, Which with was nearly that. introduced, wasn't it? The, the none of the above category. Yeah, I never put that in before, but it was partly because I, I remember speaking to this um, Mark Ramsey at the Supporters Club, and they were really sort of umming and ahhing about whether to do their Player of the Year um, because they thought it would uh, for the first time. And um, there, were, there were no outstanding candidates, were there? No. And um, so, yes, I think it probably none of the. But I mean, we did think about doing it in the relegation season from the Premier League, really. That. Again, it wasn't a season when I suppose there were players in that year that, that Marcus Bent almost saved us, didn't he? That year, but we, we, it was it was another season where people didn't really feel anyone was deserving of um, a Player of the Year award, you know. Um, so maybe, but yeah, maybe, I, just, I just chucked up the Young Player of the Year because yeah, well, we felt it was a little unfair. I mean, actually, coming back to that again, James Wilson winning it. I mean, in a season where it's not been great, a player who made eighteen appearances and was just a solid defender. That yeah. probably says a lot, doesn't it? And and you know, and and you can't. He's already gone as well. He's left. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, that's what he did. You know, I mean, that that was his job, and he did it pretty well. Um, and and as you say, Chambers, um, I think he was a good captain for us in very difficult circumstances, and and he probably won the Player of the Year two years ago when we got relegated because people appreciated that, and um, and I think people. Appreciated endeavour in the in the in the role um, and and off the field stuff as well, you know. Yeah, that's what I mean. Really. Not just and... the on the field stuff, but the but the but the 
the, the, the overall role as a captain and how he did it. Because I think he was a good captain, um, mm. certainly. And, and the way that players talk about him uh, and, and have talked about him at the club, I think illustrates that. But anyway, young player. And yeah, no surprises here, I guess. Oh. Um, and uh, again, a player that might not be here next season, but we hope. We hope we as, as we talked about. Here next <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Liam Gibbs is, is in there as well, and obviously some speculation about yeah, him. Well, well, yeah, Dobra, I think. I think Dobra. He's a, a bit like we were saying about Andre, that he didn't. By the way, Andre didn't get runs in the side. Dobra, I think, was so. Every time he got his chance, was so desperate to impress that he was sort of trying too hard. Every time he got the ball, he was trying to beat three or four men, you know. And and I think the, the latter stage of the season where he played two or three games in a row, I think he calmed down a bit and, and started yeah, to play does. more measured football. Um, and um, so, yeah, so I think, and I do think in his case, very much, it, it's Paul Cook trying to motivate him because I think he sees something in him. I don't think, I don't think he'd have played him in the last few games if he didn't see something in him. And, it seems strange, uh, didn't it? Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I think, I mean, I, I, I I think he looks like a talent, someone that in the next two or three years could, um, certainly in League One, make a major impression. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Um, Andre, we talked about. Flynn, I think, had a... Dis- Flynn and, and Luke Wolfen had disappointing seasons, didn't they, really? But they were both a bit in and out the squad the side, weren't they? I think perhaps Luke Wolfenden was maybe a victim of the squad being a bit too big, that when when things weren't going well... Paul Lambert had the option just to sort of shift everybody out and put other people in. Now, you wonder if Mick McCarthy had been manager and maybe Luke Wolfen didn't have a couple of dodgy games. I can remember Mick talking about how him, him as a player, that he had a bad period and he was at Celtic and he was getting a lot of stick from the crowd and whatever. But Billy McNeil kept him in the team because, well, you're my best defender, one of my best defenders. 
eventually you'll get back into form. Um, so he may have been a bit of a victim to that. Wolves, uh, uh, Flynn, um, he, a difficult season for him with this, all the transfer speculation at the beginning and then injury and yeah. injury. Yeah. So it was stop, start, stop, start. But I think he'll probably go. I think that he's, um, I, I don't think he's entirely happy here. I think he probably thinks he can play at a higher level. Um, and, and he'd, be, he'd probably be, he'd be right about that. And probably, it just feels yeah. like he's had a really unfortunate couple of years. Cause even the transfer saga last summer with Crystal Palace, I didn't think was particularly handled well and and i also think perhaps there was some i don't know some undue influence by supporter and rest about the transfer fee i don't think we'll get 1.7 whatever it was this time around and the same for caden jackson actually um i remember speaking about this on the podcast last year that we kind of lauded the fact we turned down multi-million transfer bids during a pandemic um and and i honestly think you know it hurts as football fans Sometimes, you know, Mark Ashton, I don't think would have thought twice about those fees. I think he might have got a little bit more out of it and maybe some a chunky sell-on or something. But I don't think we'd have we'd have hesitated to accept those kind of bids no, I think we last did. year. And we certainly won't this time around. The trouble is they'll probably be a fraction of, of what they were last year. Yeah, because that's how the market is. But of course, equally, we'll be paying less money for the players that we're bringing in. So, um, so that's, yeah, so that's this swings and roundabouts on that front, isn't it? So, um so Downs, yeah, I, th- I think uh, and Liam Gibbs, I think there's an element of uh, the, the two sides, um, each both sides sort of waiting for the other to blink, I think. Okay. And now we've got to the point where, and I don't think they're a million miles apart, from as I understand it, and, and other clubs are waiting in the wings. But he could end up in this sort of situation where he leaves Ipswich um, and... Is, is trying to set himself up with another club. Um, and the other club, of course, have to agree compensation with town or it goes to a tribunal and he could find himself sort of in no man's land for a little bit. Um, yeah, it's, it does feel, I, I think, I don't know whether it was part of the Kieran Dyer interview, but you know, someone like Dylan Crow, his experience, because I think he was he was really mooted for a big move, I think. And it was it Huddersfield possibly, or maybe Brentford and that yeah. didn't happen. And then he never really found his way back into favor. No, in he's not injuries as well, isn't it? And, and that, big, that too, but yeah. And Charlie, um, Charlie Brown as well. He might have something to say. Um, and yeah, yeah, Dyer certainly spoke about that, didn't he? There's a few players, aren't there really that have kind of had, I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? I mean, wherever he goes, he's not going to be a first-team player. I don't think he's going to be a first-team player at Ipswich, is it? Um, and, even, and, and, and the, the sorts of Premier League clubs that he's looking at, that, that are sort of look, um, understood to be looking at him, they'll bring him into play in the 23s and then maybe send him out on loan in a year or so. He's only 18, isn't he? And, 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 and so you're talking about him and he's three years younger than Andre. So he's got a little way to go yet. Uh, I think, and if you're looking at the squad that we're going to have or expecting to have in the year ahead, which is obviously a better and probably more experienced squad than we've had this year, I don't think he's going to get much of a look in, unless he's outstanding in the 23s, of course, and 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 um, or the EFL Trophy or whenever he might get an opportunity. Um, so he's an outsider for that, and and so, but equally, it's probably his best bet to stay here and um, try and push on for the. Towards the first team than a Premier League club because obviously you you find yourself 
Um, as you say, Charlie Brown is a, is a good example, who I think ended up leaving for MK Dons on a free transfer. And um, yes, we've seen we've seen it with plenty of players that have gone to to, to, to bigger clubs and, and and sort of their careers have drifted. Mm. So fingers crossed, some common sense prevails. I hope it's done. It done because he's another. Yeah, you know, he's a Suffolk boy, isn't he? And and um, you you want to see Suffolk boys stay at the club and and come through. Um, this is another one of those amusing ones. Well, not amusing, and I think you you commented <laughs> as well um, how Luke Chambers. Uh, if you were to take predictions at the start of the season about who would be at the top of this poll, it, mm, you wouldn't. You'd have bet, got long odds on. Luke Chambers being one and two, but that Blackpool goal, that's, I sent that to my um, brother-in-law when Chambers was about to sign for them. It is, uh, you know, easily the best goal that I could recall of this season. So no yeah, great goal. I mean, actually, that day at Blackpool was a goal of the um, season competition on its own, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Some very Bishop's good goal. Goal, yeah. goal was really... We were, we were sitting in the press box discussing which was the best of the, of the four. Um, and... Um, yeah, so great. That was a yeah, really terrific strike. I think he said that was the best goal he's ever scored in his career. Uh, I had to look up the Bristol Rovers one because I couldn't remember it. Uh, nice, that glancing header. Yeah, it's sort of, he, he makes a run to the towards the near post, about sort of ten, eight, ten yards out, and sort of heads it back across. It was, it was, a, it was a good, decent header. And um, it was, I mean, that that was yes. You think about these games, three 0 that day, wasn't it? <laughs> um, it? Looked like the season was going to. It was, it was it was all getting off uh, in a fantastic way, but uh, no, we we all knew that it was going to be a mirror image of the season before. Oh, no, you know. it's, it's very bizarre, isn't it? And um, yes, yeah, so there we go. And, and Alan Judge, of course, scored some really good goals. Um, probably yeah, the free kick. Yeah, was that the one? Yeah, trying to read Doncaster. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, there was two or three really good goals he scored uh, last season, and uh, I think he'll just be disappointed that he didn't get more in his time here, really, and and it took so long for him to score goals. Um, but there you go, he's another one who, who may well end up at Colchester, of course. Yes, um, yeah, cool switch down. Um, best side faced, yeah, this one, I, I think Peterborough was the easy choice here because Hull could not possibly win this one having lost to us at home. I, I hate this chant with a passion, but the kind of how crap must you be chant was was kind of built for that exact match against Collingwood, mm. who were flying, I think, at the time, and then and then we'd be rubbish, and then um, Jimmy Walker and Matt Gill name the team, and we get a one 0 away win and break that top six hoodoo. So I, I couldn't give it to Hull. Crew is an interesting one. Style of play presumably led a lot of people to do that one. I think they played really well at Portman Road, didn't they? We won one nil. Um, I think it was Teddy Bishop scores, didn't he? Relatively late, and um, but they dominated the first half. And if they'd had a decent striker and taken opportunities, they would have won. They were they were much better than us that day. They weren't as good at Gresty Road, I didn't think, no. um, which was one one. But I think it was a fairly the conditions poor game, wasn't it? Day. Um, again, Peterborough. I didn't think there was much between us and Peterborough at Peterborough on, on their um, on the mud flats or whatever they are oh, at, um, goodness, at, yeah. at London Road. I mean, actually, it's quite. It, it, I mean, that we were pretty terrible, and, and um, Paul Lambert tried to play long ball football. And actually, that surface, although it didn't have a lot of grass on it, Peterborough showed you could play. You could pass it around on it, um, even if they didn't play particularly well that day. Um, and as you say, Hull. Um, when we played, I thought they were very good down here. Um, yeah. oh, but yeah. but uh, there, again, that was quite a wind. That was quite a windy day. It was quite a wind. Uh, well, you see the goal that um, 
Miles Kenlock makes a sort of seventy-yard diagonal cross, doesn't he, to the, to to, uh, to to Norwood to score? I, th- I think that was that might have been conditions um, may have may have been a leveller that day to some degree. Okay. And, and once we went ahead, but, I mean, having said that, you know, we we were we were pretty solid, weren't we, this season? I think we were something like fourth in a fewest goals conceded table in the division. So yeah, um, and, and these are all kind of in Peter is narrow defeats, aren't they? Both of them, and yeah. Um, well, I think I think I, th- I think so. I think that um, when we've got our noses in front, I think that's been part of the problem. Really, we didn't get our noses in front enough, really, and um, and and so we were able to kind of, on occasion, sort of uh, be, um, sort of hold off with with um, withstand what was thrown at us from by teams when we were we were ahead, and then. I mean, the, the sort of outstanding performances we've kind of, when, when we've looked good in the second half of the season, Blackpool at home um, was one, um, the final day of the season against Fleetwood. People kind of say, oh, we terrific, played terrific football in those games. We played terrific football in those games because we were 2-0 up. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite psychological, easy isn't it? Winning, isn't it? You know, yeah. and, 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 and we didn't find ourselves in that circumstance very often, did we? <laughs> mm. um, and that's the, the kind of the start of the season was where we did that. And yeah. and again, you kind of think that we maybe built up a false sense of security or, or um, maybe overestimated our qualities because we'd been able to do that against lesser opposition, which I think all of us have been talking about and the real quiz. Um, and then immediately, you know, you, as soon as you, I, I can't even remember, I said I've put last season to one side, oh, Doncaster, it's telling, was it? But, it's telling that we, first five games, we win, first six games, we win five and draw one. First bit of, um, first bit of um, difficulty, first sort of hurdle, we come up against Doncaster and we don't just lose, we lose 4-1. Yeah. And we, and we, we take, even take the lead in that game. And yeah. I think this is possibly worse, is we take the lead and then get battered afterwards. I yeah. mean, we helped them out it's big time. But underbelly, I think. Yeah, fragility was definitely there, wasn't it? Yeah. A slight change of, of pace on this one. And, and this is one where I'd be interested uh, on the club's kind of view on this one. Um, I, I've got to pick the, how do you rate the 2021 20, yes. 20, away kit, which was... I think it was I wouldn't go as far as saying it's Marmite, but it wasn't it wasn't a classic, put it that way. And and the kind of results here, um, the majority is average, but largely it's it's average and above um, is the majority here. But there's another question you guys always ask every year, which is um, sh- how long should the kits cycle run for? One or two years? Or uh, and uh, I, the reason I picked this one is because this kit is supposedly the most sustainable kit ever, mm-hmm. at least for Ipswich. And I know that um, Steve M, who's a poster on TWTD, has said this. It might have been him who's started this thought. But I think a lot of us are thinking a sustainable kit that you then do away with after one season feels feels a bit of a you know a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Do the do the club have, have the club ever spoken or thought about this? Do you think? Um, I, I'm not sure the Phoenix. Uh, sorry the. The three lines, guys. Obviously, a lot of it, retail is contingent on shirt sales and turnover, but it did feel like the away kit, and maybe this sustainable one. It's a bit of a weird statement to make. It is. I agree with you entirely. Yeah, and it's it's um yeah. There's there's no reason to, other than commercial uh, <laughs> to to have new kit every year, new home kit and new away kit. Um, and I do wonder whether it even works that way to some degree in, in sort of, you know, years where things are not that great and people are not kind of buying loads of shirts that 
I think, uh, but, but there you go, I suppose, yeah, they must do their sums and realise it works for them. But yeah, the sustainability yeah. argument, the sustainability argument is ridiculous, really. When, what, what happens to these shirts? They go out to, they get sent out to the developing world via... They should um, give them more to Simon Milton, should they? Uh, shouldn't yeah. they? And, and uh, maybe this one ends up as a third kit, because, you know, the, the Claret one ended up as a third yeah. kit, but then they changed the sponsor. So it just, yeah, I, I, I can ethically, I, I always feel a little bit, conflicted but I, you know I, I keep mine that's not being chucked away i just wonder about the anyway they'll end up in one of their kit room sales won't it so yeah that, the home kit very popular and again similar i think i don't know that whether this was a thought on the podcast or elsewhere but one of our, our great shirts obviously paying homage to one of the greatest moments in our history and it's it's worn by arguably the worst team in living memory. Well, certainly in living memory because of that. Anyway, no, I know I totally agree with you. That it was it's it's unfortunate that uh, yes, that that the, what would have been a tribute, what should have been a tribute season, has has fallen flat on a number of angles with no fans there and and and, and the performances on the field as well, and uh, and and no big dinner and you know all those kind of things. It's it's been unfortunate, but hopefully those things will be the dinner all those kind of things the the, the stars of the, the legends of the past will be um honored at some point in the in the future maybe this coming hopefully luke, luke chambers might come back and wave to the crowd when he's face he's got a two week suspension a two match suspension or something because yeah i just felt like his departure was kind of it should have had a little bit more fanfare around yeah it. yeah um i'm just gonna maybe plow through these because these are all yeah. going to be of a similar nature here um how would you rate paul lambert's performance um <laughs> So someone voted very good and good. And I don't know whether, what, what's, the, what's the noise of, I was going to say, what's the noise of Norwich fans skewing the results? Are you tempted to kind of skim these ones out? No, I just left it as it was, to be honest, because, uh, yeah, um, the overall picture is there, isn't it? <laughs> and, and and arguably, you'd say the entirety of his, his reign, um, you could judge, make the same judgment. I think um, it was almost identical last year. I think it was yeah. almost identical um and which which it's a bit of a damning indictment really that a, a manager whose performance was viewed as so poor by the fans um was really was continued was allowed to continue to be manager for what another what was it february by, by the time he was fired i think that's you know yeah it, it, it was, yeah and it so um i mean the end came so much later than it should have done. It's, it's it's illustrative of the lack of structure and yeah, and accountability. And, which which um, a perfect bluff for Alan Lee, by the way, which we'll come yeah, on to. But Alan yeah. Lee talks about this. The second part is he goes into a lot of detail about the, the kind of the symptoms of the kind of stuff that we're now talking about here. Yeah, exactly. And that just showed that that no one had the the power or the the strength. I mean, you had this sort of strange structure of the manager, and this goes back to when Roy Keane was manager as well, and. The manager didn't, we actually had a chief executive at that point, but the manager didn't answer to the chief executive. The manager's line manager was the owner. So you've got a chief executive who's to some degree a bit of a lame duck when it comes to talking to the manager and, and dictating things. So, And, and in, the, in the circumstances um, prior to the takeover, you did, there was no chief executive there. So it, it kind of, people within the club weren't, there was no real boss of the, the manager. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I think that that's... It provided lots of different things as well, you know, and, you know, we, we, we both know lots of people who are working their asses off at Portman Road only to be yeah. micromanaged or to be not given the resources to do their job. And and, and the, I guess the fortunate thing is, is that that 
that time is now over and and the early the early signs from mark ashton and the the new ownership is 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 time and care will be put into things yeah. that matter and, and you're seeing a structure put in and you're seeing, because there was no figure at the club that, that kind of um there was res that, that um everything was accountable to in, in that sense a chief executive um everything ended up on his desk which is just you know it's, it's just sort of poor poor organized poor governance i think i used in there and I've, I've kind of I, I had the result for the assessment of the season, which was very poor by a long way. Yeah. Uh, and you got a, a very specific question for the for the current um, times about rating Marcus Evans' time in in charge of the club. Average um, is is a bigger chunk than than what I thought. And obviously they're very good and good. The Norwich fans are back here, but poor and very poor again, dominating here. And and I guess none of this is a surprise, is it? No, um, I think. I said in the in the sort of post amble, uh, he missed he missed his chance, didn't he? The opportunity he really had was when he first came in, when he had when Ipswich were one of the richer championship clubs. And unfortunately, he brought Roy Keane in, and he brought Roy Keane in without enough due diligence. I knew someone who um, had business connections with people who were on the board at Sunderland at the time, and apparently Sunderland were never approached. You know, what's it like working with Roy Keane? No one. Right. Oh wow. And um, and and so you know he he, he, he picks a, a manager who is a I think a what's the what's the word a challenging a, character a challenging character is a good a good way of putting it but really. it, it, he's not a <laughs> complex safe character man. yeah I think what you needed was a safe, was a was a, a an experienced I mean obviously what he wanted Roy to do was come and replicate the job he did at Sunderland and um, but he. What, yeah, what he really needed was a, <laughs> a Mick McCarthy, maybe, or but someone who was tried and tested in the championship and a, 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 a Neil Warner. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the style of football is not kind of what fans with Ipswich fans would go for, but but managers that have been there, done it a few times. You know, those 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 sorts of figures, and um, rather than someone who'd kind of um, who'd had a little bit of success um, and was a big name. And, and, and compare the the first actions of Game Changer and Marcus Evans, and we've we've on on Blue Monday we've talked about this kind of constantly. Is the you know Paul Cook was in in place, and 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 I guess we're we're fortunate that Marcus Evans and the the, the new owners saw eye to eye on that appointment, such that it wasn't an issue. But the first thing they've been doing is Mark Ashton in the door, CEO, and everything kind of builds around that and that was the biggest failing for Marcus Evans repeatedly is either picking the wrong people to build something around or not even giving them the proper job as in you're just kind of the face you're Ian Milne for example you'll be my you know the decisions are mine but you'll have to justify them to the press on my yeah, behalf that was right. his job and and Marcus Evans not getting someone who knew what they were doing like Mark Ashton to run the club for him is why it ultimately was never going to work for me. Yeah, well, I think I think first of all he came in and Derek Bowden was here, wasn't he? Still, and he kept David Sheepshanks on as chairman. Um, and I think that I'm not sure quite where I, I, I don't think they saw entirely eye to eye on everything. And um, and then he brought Simon Clegg in, who was an experienced sports administrator, but was not an experienced football administrator. And I think that the sports that he's been involved in and very successfully, and and continues to be involved in sport very successfully. Um, and continues to follow town, by the way. I quite often get texts from him when there's a decent result oh, wow. or a, 
a dreadful result or a management appointee or a takeover. He texted me about a takeover. Um, and um, so, yeah, so, so yeah, not the not the kind of appointment, not the experienced appointments, again, similar to what I was saying about Roy. And the, I suppose the, the thing about it was that he then continued to make those sorts of errors. I want to drag us into the present. I think there was a question about the, um, the owners, which I can't find. But what I, I will put up is um, very quickly, just a bit on Paul Cook, because obviously tricky circumstances. Um, so I think people, an honest assessment, um, yeah. and uh, un, not an unreasonable expectation to have f for wanted better, but I think mitigating circumstances, knowing what we all all know now. So how would you rate his performance since he took charge average and even a big chunk of poor, actually? That's, mm. that's a pretty stark outcome. But then compare that to the score on is he the man to take us forward? It's a very different picture, isn't it? Yes, yes. And when you've got 80% uh, positive. I think that he would probably agree with the assessment of his performance because I think he would feel that he made a lot of mistakes um, and obviously the results weren't what they should have been and uh, what we hoped for and when he came in we, we had a decent run and were in with a chance of the playoffs, weren't we? Um, but yes, but I think there is this understanding from fans, I suppose, that, that the squad was a fail that he inherited was a failing squad and that we that it had failed over a couple of years and so perhaps he was trying to kind of get something out of players that and, and I think we're talking about a squad rather than about individual players I think that those individual yeah, players right, if they're right. put in a different squad and a different circumstance what is you know, someone might go to Sunderland or wherever and do all right and get uh, Gwion Edwards might go to Wigan and do terrifically there. You know, all these players will probably go to and, and do all right. But as a group, I just think that they were shot. <laughs> They'd had such yeah. a bad time of it. Management had been so poor. And the, the, and the, this sort of losing mentality uh, had developed over a period of time. It, I remember people used to talk about Neil Warnock when he was at Sheffield United because he was a Sheffield United supporter, talk, talking like a supporter because <laughs> of that. Do you know what I mean? And I suppose there's an, I know book, it's not an interview supporter, but... Some of the comments he made were a bit like what supporters would have been saying in pubs had they been allowed in pubs. You, you know what I mean? Or, or mm -hmm. the comments that were on the terraces. Um, and and I think that is that that honesty that is is perhaps a uh, a benefit in some circumstances because I think players know what they'll get from it and and they know that uh, what they're being told by him is the truth a lot of the time probably. And um, but. Um, perhaps at the same time as a manager, if you're trying to get uh, a team to play and you need them to play for the next few games, as he did, it's probably not best to come out and say publicly that you don't rate them and that they're all going to be gone at the end of the season. Yeah, play the long game a little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and just to finish on, on this one, which I think um, overwhelmingly possible, where will the Blues finish in 2021-22? Hey. Um, um, and, you know, all of the context of what you've just been talking about and what, you know, the quotes from Brett Johnson about high turnover and the roster being slashed down to just 10% of, of what we've got at the moment, all of the stuff about the Marcus Evans era, um, all of these new faces, the transfer business that needs to get done. Um, but 25% um, top two, 55.5% um, 
predicting or expecting, I might say, playoffs. Um, the expectations have understandably gone up. Um, I think expectations were quite high. And, and uh, I think expectations for Ipswich in this division are always going to be high. I think they're yeah, probably not unreasonably. I think the thing that has increased is belief. Because I think that last season, although there was this expectation, there wasn't a whole lot of belief we were going to get promoted. There wasn't a lot of belief in that team. There wasn't a lot of belief in Paul Lambert, was there? But I think that with Paul Cook, and coming back to sort of the previous question, that he he obviously didn't do a fantastic job in the, in the, in the first few months of his town, time at town at the end of last season. But that reputation he's got from his previous clubs, fans trust that and and um and fans have an expectation and a belief that he's the man to do the job and that the players that he will bring in because at the moment of course we're talking without knowing what the squad's going to be but exactly right yeah. too much uh in in much detail at all um but yeah i mean i was, I was sort of slightly surprised that people are saying 55.5 percent playoffs rather than 40 percent top two, I think. I don't know. It might just be the fact that it's probably going to be quite a strong division with people like Sheffield Wednesday and although obviously they've got their own problems, but but clubs that you would think traditionally would be doing very well in this division. Sunderland are obviously still in this league, aren't they? And um, so, um, yeah, maybe maybe a little surprised that more people aren't thinking top two, but then perhaps, perhaps we're all a bit wounded. Maybe that does, yeah, and, and does reflect that I think people do expect a kind of to use to go all corporate for a second but that kind of storming forming norming stages that's going to happen the, the kind of forming of the team and and it being performing that doesn't happen overnight um and i think maybe people un- expect uh, understand that it's um, anything like this year i don't this year this season has been i think the, the top two peterborough and hull they weren't really consistent teams that ploughed off into the, the sunset, were they? No. they? They sort of established themselves as the least inconsistent of the teams towards the top of the division. Like Coventry did the year before. Yes, yes. And um, uh, so, yeah, we, we, there may, even if it takes a little while to get going, I think there may still be time. You know, you get to sort of, if we're... Look at Oxford. Oxford, really, yeah, well, Oxford in a shocking really, form at the start of the season, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, so, so I think you can come through in that way. I think that's exactly that's a perfect example. Um, and in their case, having had the bit of a shock of the playoffs the previous year, I think there's always that that sort of playoff hangover, uh, and we'll probably have a bit of a kind of. It might take us a little. T- I mean, but it's, you've seen teams before that have been kind of formed overnight. They win their first few games, and then they just keep going, don't they? Um, and 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 so we'll, we'll have to see. But it's it's. Um, I think that there's certainly a greater expectation, a greater belief. I think, I think that's the difference. The belief is the difference. That, that, that Paul yeah, Cook, yeah. In Paul Cook, we've got a manager who can do the job and that the, the squad he will bring in will be a cut above. Well, um, and, and, of course, the owners. That, that, that I think there's already... Um, although I think the question I asked was, is kind of first reflections of the owners, which is exactly right, because all we know is... Is, is, is kind of um, first impressions, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah, but, it's, but it's words now. It leads to the action, don't we, at some point? Yeah. And, and, and if, the signing, if the signings and the, the, the off-field recruitment is anything to go by, then they're delivering on that. And, you know, fingers crossed, we're in Portman Road day one. And Portman Road's had some attention given to it and all that yeah. stuff. That's, that's what we want. Yeah, all the, all the well, that, that's the thing. We've had a lot of promises so far, and I, and and I think 
people are confident they will carry out those promises. And I think the signings we've made have, have been probably the first illustration of that and a bit of tidying of Portman Road. And um, of course, yeah, the, 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 the recruitment of the staff that we've had as well, of course, off-field staff. So yeah, I think so far, all the boxes that we were anticipating being ticked are being ticked. Um, there's now a case of getting it right on the field. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Phil, that's great. Thank you so much for that and your insight and um, assessment of, of the TWTD questionnaire 2021, um, which you can find the results. You can find the pie charts um, well, and Phil's, um, Phil's assessment on um, TWT.co.uk, at TWTD UK on the Twitter as well. Um, anywhere else you want us to go look in, Phil? Um, um, the TWTD stuff? Join the Facebook Facebook Facebook. Well, are, you on, are you on Facebook? There you go. I'm on Facebook somewhere or other. Yeah. Um... But yes, I think that's, uh, I, th I think, yeah, people can find us. <laughs> that's good stuff. Um, just worth, I, I've, I've mentioned it a couple of times, um, just very quickly get your thoughts on um, Alan Lee. We've got a two-part interview, another um, Blue Monday um, TWTD collaboration show there. Um, I've I've listened to it because I edited it, the um, first part. Some really fascinating insights from his playing career. Um, I've put a clip off of him um, talking about scoring at Norwich. Um, part two out on Friday, I guess, unfortunately sadly includes some similar stuff that kieran um but talked about but i alan um is pretty frank and honest about his impressions of it which ultimately led him to sadly leave leave the club and pursue opportunities somewhere else but uh, great to hear from him about his playing career and and the crystal palace stuff and neil warnock um but unfortunately it's similar stuff to what we've we've been talking about of the, the marcus evans era yes i think probably not too much, but I think, yeah, I don't think people are probably being entirely surprised that uh, all was not the most, yeah, things were not running in the most clockwork or like an oiled, well-oiled machine. I think it's probably, I think, yeah, I think it's best people listen to it and see what they, mm. see what they make of it. It is, it is interesting listening, and I think perhaps it's something that Alan's been sort of wanting to talk about for a while. Um, and, and I think he and other players, other people involved in the club, um, or around the club, there's been a kind of frustration over the last few years. I was going to say frustration is the word um, that you you pick up when you listen to it, and frustration as well that things could have been different, but unfortunately, yes. it didn't pan that way. Yeah, and 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 yeah, I think he has a lot of interesting things to say. I think he's a um, was a very a lot of interesting things to say about football generally, and um, and, and about town the club clearly. He has a great deal of affection for, um, and and yeah, and and yeah, and and, and is, a, is a you know very sort of genuine football person, I think. And uh, great, yeah, it comes across. And, uh, and now, um, starting a separate career as a financial advisor, which we found out all, all, is a nice exclusive for the for the podcast. So, um, so that was exciting. So, um, yeah, so part one already available on the Blue Monday YouTube and on our podcast feed and you can find links on, on phil's site um, and obviously in blue monday on twitter blue monday itfc um on i think there's a, you can't we can't link to stuff on instagram until we've got a million followers so on the facebook as well you can find us there too and just subscribe and then the shows will just appear magically without you even having to do anything part two on friday as i said the coaching one um some really fascinating insights um so um, yeah, thanks to you and Ben for doing all the hard work and obviously big thanks to Alan for being so generous with his time as well. Um, Thank you for the it. Oh, wow. 
the nerdy <laughs> stuff is fine. I, I, it's all oh, yeah. The good bit is finding the clips, the the, the goal clips to um, chuck in there. So I'll um, yeah, you can go and find a few goals from Alan's spell at Ipswich in that first video as well. Um, so yeah, and hopefully a few more um, to come as well. So we'll keep people informed as more um, as negotiations continue. <laughs> Phil, thank you so much for your time and um, and all the hard work you do at TWTD and the great questionnaire and so on. And um, I'm sure we'll be back chatting about stuff before a ball is kicked in the summer. So um, until then, I'll, I'll let you say goodbye to everyone. Yeah, goodbye to everyone. Thanks for watching or listening to the Blue Monday podcast. And thanks to those of you who have kindly supported the channel via Acast or YouTube donations. You can follow us at the usual places on social media and don't forget to subscribe so that you get our new shows first. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.